What is the church? What should it look like? And what has it been called to do? In this series on the foundation and future of Cornerstone, we answer these questions and seek to carve out a biblical path forward for being the church in Southampton Roads. The following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Romans 1.5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Read it one more time. Through whom we have received grace, this is talking about Jesus Christ, and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Two things I want us to highlight. First thing, this is about Jesus Christ, who makes all these things possible. And the second is the end of the verse. For the sake of his name among all the nations. Let's go to Matthew 28. Very familiar passage. You know what I'm going to talk about here. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Last passage. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians 5, we're going to start in verse 17. <clears throat> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This time is just to share our hearts a little bit about what God is doing in our lives, especially as elders and, and, uh, and how we're looking forward toward what God is doing, what he's already doing, and what we want to see him do in the future, and what we expect him to do in the future, and trying to understand how he is moving towards the future. We've already talked about what we believe the church is, not what we come to. We've already talked about how important it is to understand ourselves as ministers of the gospel, not as just members of a club. We are here making up the church body. So I want to talk a little bit today and start with the impetus from this song alone and from what we sing about, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He being the cornerstone. He being the rescuer, the deliverer, the one that gives us hope. From this, we are compelled forward. We understand who God is and we can't keep our mouths shut. Or else maybe we don't understand who God is in the first place. 
That's why we want to be on our lips proclaiming Jesus Christ. That's why we want to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. It is, it is all of our motivation to go forward and to do whatever the Bible tells us to do as we know who he is, as we taste and see who God is, and we realize that he is worthy of not only coming to a Sunday morning service and singing and putting some money in the plate, but rather a life lived for him. We want to see that played out at Cornerstone Bible Church. We realize that we are stewards of what God has given to us. One another, you, me, our families, those communities that we are in. We have a very big responsibility, and that's to be Jesus Christ to the world. That is, we are his body. So today I'm going to quickly talk about being something that we've talked about many times, ministers, not just members. Stacy talked about this. We've talked about it several times. You know the phrase, and we'll continue to say it because it's important that we understand this. You are actually ministers of the gospel cleverly disguised as a Navy contractor. You are a minister of the gospel cleverly disguised as a financial worker. You are a minister of the gospel cleverly disguised as fill-in-the-blank. But I want to go past that for a minute today. Okay, great. I understand, you know, someone asked me, what are you? Oh, I'm a minister of the gospel. That's very important. Good. Right answer. Okay, now what does that mean? And how does that look different from what you were before? Is it the same thing? Or like, oh, no, I just I put minister Chris here or minister, you know, whatever. Let's just, let me just put it in a new context for us. And maybe you know where I'm going from what I've read already. Let's call ourselves missionaries for a minute. That's, by the way, what we are. We are going to proclaim Christ to the world. That's our mission, is to show Christ to the world. Not as though we hand out, and I love, Dave introduced this term to me, we don't toss out gospel grenades and hope people just get saved. We talk about, rather, discipling others. To make disciples, Jesus says, so that we would go forth from here and not live and just come on Sundays and then, okay, now I'm going to go forth and, hey, Jonathan and Sarah Farmer, yeah, let's give them, you know, food and money and stuff and let them be missionaries. No, you are a missionary. I am a missionary. That's what we're called to. Guys, this is not like something that, that we're just drumming up and like, okay, let's, let's, let's trick them into being missionaries. You know, and then Cornerstone can grow more and more. No, this is a, a biblical mandate because of who God is and where he says he's going. And we're the body. We are the, 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 the work for what he's doing. We are the pieces that he's using to bring the world to himself through Jesus Christ. So, how, so then what, do, what in the world does it mean then to make disciples? How do we do that? Well, we want to we get practical here and talk about some other things too. And we see a lot of growth that comes through that is transplant growth. Some really awesome growth where we have people who've been away from church for a long time and they see our website somehow and they end up coming and they stay and they grow and they, and they become better disciples of Jesus Christ. And we want that, by the way. And we have other families that have come in and they've come from a great church and they're looking for a church in the area and then they, and they find Cornerstone and they attach themselves and become part of the body and serve and they worship and they are part of our body here and then they leave again, perhaps, whether it's the Navy or some contract work like that. Then we'll see other families that are really quite different than either of those two. Some who we have, maybe they've been here for years and years and years, but they're a neighbor. 
and they <laughs> have seen Jesus Christ in us. What we want to do is step back and say, how many were here to watch the dispatches from the front video that we watched this morning? Okay, and the rest of you were here to talk and listen to at least Jonathan and Sarah. We think of missions as this far off thing. And what do they do? You know, let's support that and make sure they're doing okay. I challenge us today, we need to think like missionaries. We are missionaries today. So get real practical. How are we doing that? How are we being Christ to the world? How are we targeting people? Are we targeting? So if we called up Jonathan and Sarah and said, what's your strategy? We want, we want to know a strategy for them, right? They're like, what are you doing there? We're supporting you and you know, praying for you and all these things. What's your strategy? Well, we want to get into these different places. We're talking to these five different neighbors, and we're praying for you know, these, these. And he gives, they give us five specific family names, and we realize and we pray towards that end, that they would receive Christ, and then they make disciples, and then that they would reach their families, and then this little pocket where they're at would know Jesus Christ. I want to say, let's do that here. Not just in, oh, I go to Cornerstone Bible Church, and you know, maybe you should come. That's not a bad way, but why don't we start targeting our areas and thinking, how can I reach the, the neighborhood around me? My, we live at Acorn Grove Apartments. How can we, how can Chris and Kristen Lowndes reach our apartment complex for Jesus Christ? We want to see people that, to know Jesus Christ. And we want to see people that have never known the name of Christ come to him. So our challenge this morning is to be ministers and to be missionaries. I wrote a few things down um, in thinking this through. One is to come back to really what Stacy said. What's happening on different fields out there, and we hear these miraculous stories of people coming to Christ, it's happening here. It's happening here. We may not know it, and we may not be open to it and not thinking about it, well, open our eyes, first of all, and that's what part of today is going to be about. We're going to see that, and we're going to see that people are coming to Jesus Christ. But that should also be an opening up for us to say, I want to be part of this. I want to be what my identity actually is, which is Jesus Christ to the world. So I don't want to come off as though I'm just hyping up and doing a big pep rally because that's, that's, not, that's not helpful. And we can just go away from here, yeah, 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 talk to my neighbor. We want to make sure that this is starting to be ingrained in who we are. That's why we'll be working on this from a community group level. That's what we'll start as a family planning. Okay, well, you have these connections. You know, who's, who's leaning in and being friends already that are unbelievers? Let's start praying for them. Let's have them over to our house. Isaac and I were just talking about earlier on getting together, and I was like, hey, why don't we, why don't we invite Derek, your neighbor, who's an unbeliever, who we've had several contacts with. Let's get him over and be part of what we're doing already so that we could target him, that he might know Jesus Christ. We're trying to make sure that we understand that this is serious and that we should be strategic about it. We want to see the kingdom grow. So we need to plan it. We need to work. And, there, there's, and Dave, and, Dave and Sarah, are, actually Dave is going to come up and share a little bit soon, as soon as I'm done here, about what God has, ha, gave them an opportunity to do. Not everything is perfect. We know that we may share Christ with Derek over and over and over again, and may never come to Christ. But we trust that God is good, and we trust that he is worthy to be, to be praised and to be spoken of. That doesn't, we don't be like, oh, Derek didn't accept, I'm done. I'm done, I'm out, you know. No, it continued the work. Paul continued and continued and continued because of the reason that God is worthy and that Jesus Christ 
is powerful to live to deliver. So, Dave, if you'd come to share a little bit about what you guys have experienced, that'd be great. Uh, I guess want to just tell you a little story today, kind of illustrating what Chris is talking about and how God works through us despite our weakness and inability and how he provides opportunities. It's not necessarily something that we have to generate. Uh, we have friends, Matt and Irma, that, uh, and you have to understand, <laughs> the backgrounds that we're from, not, not very much in building relationships with unbelievers. So when I say Matt and Irma were our, really our first non-Christian friends, like that's where I'm coming from. They were our first non-Christian friends where we invested in them. They spent time with us. Like we actually enjoyed hanging out. You know, that's where I'm coming from. And uh, so just kind of through mutual circumstances, Sarah was in book club with Irma. And then Matt and Irma came over for dinner one time. And we discovered that Matt and I shared a common interest in strategy board games. So you know I'm a nerd now, but uh, so we shared this common interest. So uh, he was like, hey, we should get together and game. That's what he, he calls it, gaming. So uh, I'm cool with that. Um, but he's like, we should get together and, and do that. So we did. We spent... I won't tell you how much time, but uh, a, a lot of time together doing what we both enjoyed doing. And, you know, Irma and Sarah spent a lot of time together. Uh, so there we are building relationships with them. And, of course, as a Christian, I'm thinking, okay, where do we go from here? Because it's one thing to spend a lot of time with them, become great friends with them, but we want to share the gospel with them. Well, me being not a very good conversationalist and not good at transitioning conversation from one thing to the next. I'm thinking, you know, how do I introduce the gospel while we're playing Axis and Allies? You know, is it like, boy, and seeing all this war and everything, it's, I realize the world is broken and, you know, it needs Jesus. So, you know, that, that just didn't seem the best way to go. Um, and, and we prayed about it and said, you know, what is the next step with Matt and Irma? How do we get from where we are to wanting to share the gospel with them and seeing them accept the gospel? And I, I didn't have it figured out. I had no idea. So um, we had spent a lot of time with them, and then we came to find out they were going to move away, <laughs> which was kind of sad for us. And uh, so we're sitting there, and, and we're getting ready to play a game. The girls are out at book club or whatever, and Matt and I are sitting there getting ready to play a game. And Matt says to me, he's like, Hey, you know, I know, I know you guys are really involved with your church, and you know, you have good good friends who are involved with your church, and y'all seem like good people. And he's like, since we're moving away and all, uh, I wondered if maybe you had any questions for me about what I thought of all of that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, actually, yeah. I'd, I would like to ask you a few questions about that. So I, I tell you, it's just a simple example of how God works in situations that, you know, again, incapable, uh, unable to transition from one thing to the other, and God presents an opportunity like that. And, I mean, Matt's an atheist, and his wife is a, I guess, Catholic background, but not very religious 
And you know, it doesn't end uh, at this point like a good Christian novel or Christian movie where everybody gets saved at the end. Uh, Matt's still an atheist, and his wife is still very non-religious, and they don't live around here anymore. But like Chris said, we trust God. We trust that that's not the end of the story. You know, we're still in contact with them. Sarah was able to spend time with them when she was up in Minnesota. And we trust that God is going to continue to work in them. And he's going to continue to work through us here as we try to do that same thing with others. And so I just want to encourage you that it's, it's not all up to you <laughs> to, to say the perfect thing or make the perfect transition and conversation, that uh, it's the spirit working through you and the, the power of the spirit working through you. Those of you who have not been here before when I've had the mic in this context, you'll quickly find out why I do things in the background. <laughs> or when I'm up front, there's words on the screen so I know exactly what to say. So Chris and Dave have kind of laid a foundation. Um, we've looked at passages of scripture that we've gone to other times these past couple months. And um, so we're, we're laying that gospel foundation that we could talk all day long about pr these peripheral things. We could talk all day long about strategy and, and uh, praying and all those things. But, and if it's not tied to Jesus, if it's not tied to the gospel, it's, it's pointless, right? So um, we want to make sure that as we talk practically now that that's not getting pushed aside, but it is the very foundation on which we talk practically. And so Chris has kind of laid that foundation as we think about who we are in Jesus. And I wanted to kind of come at it from a little bit different angle, but of course with a ton of overlap of it too. And I was thinking, based on conversations I've had with some of you through this series, based on me sitting where you're sitting and listening to Stacy and thinking, what, what kind of questions would come to mind? What kind of things might we push back at a little bit when we, we hear what's being talked about? Um, I thought of two two main questions that I want to just spend a couple minutes talking about here um, as we think practically about what it means to be the body of Christ made up of all kinds of different members um, and yet with a common purpose. The first question um, that I know uh, I've talked with a couple people about and maybe some of you have been asking along the way too is, okay, what, what is this series all about? Is this just kind of some, you know, grand scheme, you know, it's all popular today to put some kind of strategy in place and, and go gung-ho at it as a church and try to grow and be big and, and hopefully through the discussions you know that that's not the case. Um, but is this a, a change in course theologically? Like we were, we were wrong before and now all of a sudden there's this talk of thinking about other people or there's this extra focus on evangelism or mission now that maybe didn't hear so much of in the past and now why are we talking about it and trying to turn direction was what we did before bad or what was it? My simple answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> um, it is a bigger no than a yes, of course. Um, really, it is God working in people's hearts, God renewing people's minds. It is uh, the gospel taking shape as we're sanctified, both for myself, for the rest of the elders, for so many of us in this body. Just seeing the gospel get bigger in our lives and not be so truncated to here's a set of verses Jesus died for your sins pray this prayer and now you're good to go and I'll move on to somebody else 
when we start, step back and we see this story of Scripture play out in our lives, in this world around us, as some of us got to see the movie in the last hour of what God's doing in other parts of the world, we all of a sudden see that the gospel is so much more than just what we so many times make it in trying to evangelize somebody and get them on this side of the cross. Um, it is full, and it includes us being transformed and made new creations in Christ, who then are given a commission from our head pastor, our chief shepherd, Jesus. And so as we let that play out in our minds and thoughts, and we say, what is this thing, the church, that God is doing? It continues down a path, and we're finding ourselves at this spot now as a body that we're saying, we're tight. I, I think we've gotten tight, really tight over the past few years, and we see that ha happening, but then is that it? We just get really tight, and we're like, you know, this... Uh, American Legion on crack, where we hang out as a club, but we like each other a lot too, and we'll sell more brooms than anybody else. Um, no, it's, it is so much more than that. We've been brought together to be sent and to see God's kingdom spread according to his plan. So it's not a change of course in one sense. It's just a continuation of what we see the gospel doing in our lives. The other question, probably, and I ask this as loud and as boisterously as anybody else, the stuff that you're talking about, you're, you're saying, okay, now we want to think about other people and, and mission and, and community and all these things. All that sounds like to me is you adding five or six things onto my weekly schedule. My weekly schedule is already booked. I don't have any more time to do stuff. And you're throwing this stuff out there and you're making me feel a little nervous because I just feel like I'm just going to have more responsibility placed on my shoulders, more guilt on me like you need to be doing more stuff be a better christian do more and the answer to that is in one sense a resolute no we understand that to be a better christian we can't do anything more okay we can be more in jesus grow in grace but we're not going to be able to do to gain any more of god's favor so what does this look like practically speaking this mission stuff we talk about and i want us just to look quickly at um what what we so easily fall into, the trap we fall into in our culture, and our mindset of how we think of, of church. And this is a little bit of an overlap of what we talked about before, but so many times we can see ourselves like this, right? There we stand in the middle, and there are all the things, those are the spheres of li life that we live in, and those are the things that take up our time. Those are the things that we allow to give us an identity, so to speak, right? So maybe some of us lean more towards the sports guy. Maybe some of us lean towards the, the shopping cart. Maybe some of us lean more towards the, the work, the nerd computer uh, thing. Um, whatever it might be, we look to those things for our identity in some way, right? Whatever is most important to us. And so it shapes us, and it makes us really busy. We look at all those things, and we're like, we're trying to juggle all those things. How do we do it? We never do it well. And now you come in here, and you throw this idea of the church being a community, being a family of servants that are missionaries, all that looks like is this. You're just adding something. I can't do that, right? Because you can't get rid of anything else or else you have some kind of crisis in life. You can't drop anything. So what happens? Life gets busier and busier and busier. We can't juggle it anymore. So some things fall by the wayside. We all have to admit, right, when that happens, the first thing to go is being a community of missionary servants. 
the church thing. When we operate with the church just being an add-on to our lives, it's the easiest one to drop off, right? It doesn't bring us income. It's not our hobby. It's not going to cause us to lose our house. It's not our job, so it's gone. What we're simply trying to say is we want, as a church family, to look at our lives like this. We are the church. We can't get out of that. Our identity is in Christ. The verses that Chris read, the verses we've covered the last couple months, the verses that we're in every week as we gather to worship, teach us that we've been made new creatures in Christ and in God's perfect planning and in his purposes to make all things new, he gives us these things to have in our lives. Our jobs, where we live, the places where our kids go to school, none of those things are happenstance or should be seen as, well, I'm just stuck in this rut and that's how it has to be right now. Look at it as providential that God's placed you in those situations. God has you there to be the church. And when we get our minds around this and our hearts around this, a lot of things change. We're not talking about adding to, to stuff that we already do. We all know that none of us would be able to do it. it would, we would all fail miserably. We're talking about a reorientation to what our identity is. Is it going to be one of those peripheral things, or is it going to be who we are in Jesus? And then all of a sudden, all of those peripheral things become pregnant with meaning and purpose, and they're providential. They're the avenues now that God gives us to be lights in a dark world, just by being normal people with a little bit of intention behind who we are. So those are just two things that I want to remind us of and challenge us with. As we think practically then, what does this look like? It might look very much like the week you already have. It might just mean taking a couple meals that you share with the family, as with your family, and sharing it with somebody else in your community group and somebody else in your neighborhood and introducing each other. Relationships, community, and, and the gospel interwoven. And these friendships that we build are not friendships that are falsely motivated, or hopefully they're not. Hopefully we want to have friendships. We want relationships with people that are believers and not believers just for the sake of friendship. Of course we want these people to be transformed by the gospel as we've had the privilege of doing, but they're not a project per se, all right? They're people, they're us, they're, they're friends. So we take joy in that, knowing that we can do that. It might mean stay-at-home mom uh, with a little bit of intentionality, getting out with the kids, it's going to be crazy, <laughs> hitting up a park, going to the library, running into other ladies that are in the exact same time of life that you're in, um, spending it that way with other women in your community group, taking time to pray together, encourage each other, be that family, and then encourage each other think how you're involved with other people so that they can see Christ in you and hear the gospel. It's nothing that's rocket science. It's just, here's the life that God's given us, and we're going to put some intentionality behind it and not just see it as annoying or happenstance or just another week in the rat race of life. If your life is a rat race, then maybe you do need to drop some things and change some things around. But this life has been given to us by God to serve a greater purpose than just earning the paycheck, just building the American dream. It's cosmic in scope, and it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. There will be days where we can't do something that we want to be able to do for the sake of the gospel. It's going to be how it is, but what is our life, what is our lifestyle going to look like? 
there are going to be awesome stories of the gospel working out. We have stories in this room that that's the case. There are going to be other stories that are hard or that we didn't get to see God do what we wanted to see him do. And there are going to be stories where we, it's not yet finished. And we might not hear that it got finished and we saw people come to Christ until we're with them in eternity. But it is eternal. So let's push forward together as we think beyond ourselves to the purpose of God, how we've seen it played out in our lives, and how we desire to see it play out in others. So two quick things I leave you with. Whose story are you living? Are you living in your own story with all these things around you that you're trying to juggle, but it's basically you? It's about you. It's about, you know, at best, let's add Christianity to the mix and just tack that on to my story? Or is it a total reorientation around the story of God that's playing out and he pulls us into it and makes us new? Whose story are you living in practically, daily? And where can intentionality become more evident in your life? What are the simple things that you do already that can just have a tiny bit of change? Your grill from the backyard to the front yard, a couple extra hot dogs on the grill to have some neighbors in, have the kids around your neighborhood running around and smelling the brat and coming over and a conversation starts. Little things that can have eternal, eternal consequences. So we're going to have a couple more people come up now and share just what God's doing in their life. I'll ask Kate to come first, and then uh, Bob, and uh, continue to think here. Well, Jordan, it would have been really helpful if you guys had done this series, like, last year when I was, like, meeting and hanging out with my neighbor because then I would have been like, oh, you're not a project. Um, but um, I live next door to an, an elderly widow named Judy, and the first day we moved into our apartment, I was doing laundry. She was downstairs, and she said, man, it's hot and muggy. And I was like, yeah, it is. She's like, it's like living inside of a dog's mouth. I was like, I like you. So we started hanging out, and I had, a, I had another friend who was like, I want to do more to help the, the widows in my community. And she lived in an, an elderly community, and there were just lots of people who were really lonely, lots of ladies. And she said, so every Monday night, me and Miss Gray, we watch The Voice, or we wa I don't remember what show it was. And when she said that, I thought, I could do that. I could watch a movie with my neighbor or watch a show. That doesn't sound very scary. Um, so I did. So every Monday night, Judy and I would hang out and talk, and you know, just as I began to hear her life story and you know how she'd gotten divorced and remarried and then her husband had died and just just how much pain and loneliness and just unfulfilled purpose like she doesn't know she's living in this little apartment and she watches TV all day and just like you just lo like look at that and go man if that was my life I would want God to reach in and like show me what what I'm supposed to do like what is the point of life um, and and those sorts of things would sort of crop up in conversation but not a lot uh, but you know I I was very forthright with what I thought about abortion and we disagreed and we talked about it and politics would come up and you know just when you build a relationship with someone you get to a point where you're not afraid to say what you really believe and what you really think so it was just a blessing that Judy wanted to be friends with me and wanted to build a relationship and have a friendship. Um, so we started after Isaac was born, she'd watch him all the time. And remember when that Bible show came on TV? I 
you know, like the Bible series or whatever. Well, she was really excited because she thought, oh, this is something Kate's going to like to watch because it's the Bible. <laughs> like, oh, great. Uh, okay, well, yeah, we can watch it together. And we did. And that first week was fine, you know, Samson knocking down the temple. And then just as the whatever the week right before the crucifixion, the week before Easter, on Sunday night, I went over there and watched it, and she wanted to talk about what she thought about God. And she opened saying that she was agnostic. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, doesn't that mean, like, you believe that there's God could exist, but you just don't know him? So through the conversation, not very winsomely, I'm sure, and, you know, Jordan, you're right, it's messy, and nobody, like, tells you no, it's going to be that messy, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out what to say and share the gospel and, you know, just focus on the fact that it's not about being good, because what does that mean, Judy? What's good? Like, you just get to decide what's good. I get to decide what's good. Like, God is good. Well, what does that mean? And what is sin? And in the course of the evening, I offended her so deeply because I was implying that she wasn't a Christian. So, the the Bible series ended. We talked about a lot of different topics and, you know, said bye, good night, walked next door. And the next morning there was a little card on my doormat that said, I cried all night because you think that I'm not a Christian. And if we're, if we're going to stay friends, you cannot talk to me about this stuff anymore. And I was just hurt because, man, I blew it. And I... I went home and I cried and I was like, Jeremy, like, I, I don't understand why it's so hard. Like, I thought it was, here's the truth. They go, oh, okay. You know, like, <laughs> I don't understand. Um, so I wrote a little card and put it on her doormat that said, like, I'm sorry I offended you. Um, and I put a lot of different verses talking about how God does, the, he is the one that judges. He is the one that knows the heart. That's not my job but would you allow me to talk about things that are uplifting and encouraging on your faith journey? You know, like if, if she believes that she's a believer, then I'm going to treat her like a believer. I'm going to encourage her like a believer. I'm going to try to get her to come to church with me and or go to a church or just understand that the church, in her words, is someone standing on stage telling you that you're a sinner and they want your money. That's not church, Judy. Come to my church and see. Um, so I guess, like, I would just encourage you, you like to watch a show, invite someone that you know to watch it or go over to their house. Like, it doesn't have to be scary or hard. But I do also just want you to know that when you get to a point where it's unexpected, the opposition that you face, you have to remember, you have to remember that it is the Lord that leads the heart. And he's the one that's going to, you know, strip away the layers that are just trapping Judy in this anti-Christian weird culture Christian bubble, you know, and it's God's going to have to be the one that do, does it because you can't. And like, that's something that I, I know, but I really did forget it. Um, and it, it hurts a lot when you feel like people are rejecting you. And it's just a good thing to remember that it is God who will bring the increase. And you plant a seed and you can't see what's happening, but it's growing, you know, and that's what I hope is happening with Judy. So that's my little outreach story. <laughs> Good morning. 
Um, when I was asked to come here and share my my testimony of what this church has meant to me, and specifically in, in regards to, um, I guess, my change in my thinking of what church is, um, it was actually a really simple topic to talk about, even though public speaking is not my big thing. But actually, the topic is really easy because this church has really impacted me. Um, so I just want to give a quick, uh, um, just want to tell you how I grew up. I grew up in a Christian home. I was born on Saturday. My dad had me church on Sunday. And if there was an excuse for not going to church, his typical reply is, throw up and prove it to me. <laughs> so, um, so that's where I came from. And I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew what the gospel message was. I thought I knew what the purpose of the church was and why the church existed. And from coming here for around two years now, I have it totally wrong. You know, when you look back and you can see things through, a, uh, through time and say, man, <laughs> I was so messed up. I had it totally wrong. Um, and I wanted to um, publicly thank the church leadership here while I had this opportunity because they had a chance to be lazy. They had a chance to just do status quo and just be lazy about it, but no, they wanted to consult scripture and let scripture guide them to what church really means, what the purpose of the church is, what should we be, what should we be doing, are we doing it right? And so I really commend them for that. And so I say, how, does that, how has that affected me? That's affected me because um, I now have to consult scripture and I have to look, am I doing it right? Um, I also personally, not only do they have to give an account, but I personally have to give an account. And you personally have to give an account. And um, so that's one way that's affected me is that I know I'm going to be accountable for my life. Number two is affected me by the authority of Scripture. The scriptural authority of how we do things um, has affected me. Um, by as, I, as we look and be like the good Bureans that we look into scripture and make sure we're doing it right. Another way, it's motivated me. My motivations have changed. My motivations to do things right. Um, not, I'm not, not sure if all y'all know this, but we started our own community group now, and I'm excited about this. I'm not doing it right all the time, but I'm excited about it. They have motivated me. Um, I wouldn't say sneakily, but... Um, Mr. Ed Hensler, um, it's pretty neat how they, how this church is encouraging you to keep growing and becoming mature in Christ. And um, so that motivation to do it right, to mature in Christ. And um, so in turn, I'm looking at my community group now and we're growing and I'm starting to have affections for these people that I didn't know I was, that I would have. And I was like, I want to see them do the same. I want to see them get motivated for Christ. I want to see them move uh, to become more like Jesus. Um, so another couple ways that, is, uh, that has affected me is um, church membership. Um, how church is done with church membership has, has affected me. When I first came here, Stacy wanted to know, why did you leave your other church? Huh? What's going on? Did you not like the carpet color? Did you, what, did they, the type of music? He wanted to make sure I was leaving for good reasons and I was coming on the right terms. Um, and it also affected how I present the gospel. And it's in, like uh, Jordan said, is that, is the gospel the center of your life? Is the gospel the center? And are you spreading it out when you go to the stores, when you go to the mall, when you're at work? Um, that's how we are going to be effective. It's not putting something else into your life. And so um, 
I just wanted to really thank the leadership here because they've uh, affected my life and affected my family. So thank you. I have to ask a, a, a bit of an honest question before I get started in what I came to share. Uh, have you ever in the back of your mind wondered, it's not something you probably even talk about with those close to you, but you ever wonder, you know, you, you see Stacy, any, any pastor comes up on a Sunday morning, what do they do all week? Like, <laughs> they work on Sundays for a couple hours, but we pay them good money. Do they really work? And in our particular situation, Stacy, where is he? How's it going? Uh, we put a, he convinced us to put an office in his house, so we converted his garage into his office. So you got to wonder. So I thought I'd share this with you as a bit of a payback for putting my goofy picture up on the screen. <laughs> Confirmed. Sunday mornings is it. Unfortunately, his golf game doesn't show, show uh, how much time he spends out there. Here you can see him on the phone in one of his counseling sessions. Um, while we're waiting for him to putt. Um, I have, uh, my wife and I have been going to this church since 2004. We came in November uh, of 2004. Uh, it was a much different place. By show of hands, how many of you were coming uh, then in 2004? Okay, we've got a handful. So you'll, you'll uh, remember this. Becca and I had been married uh, by then three years and uh, had been in New Jersey at two different churches and had tried several churches in Virginia Beach. When we rolled into uh, Cornerstone, what we were struck by was um, the number of ties uh, because the, the evangelical church movement in America had already gone towards rock bands and jeans, uh, which was great, and we embraced it and loved it. Uh, but when we came into Cornerstone, it was uh, a lot of kind of traditional ties, two pianos, not one, two pianos, uh, and hymnals on every seat. But we thought, eh, let's give it a shot. And I was kind of encouraged by the hymnals because we hadn't heard a whole lot of that. And so um, the community was great. People were loving on us. Um, and we loved the truth from the pulpit. We had, uh, having been a Christian by then, 30 years, I had never been in a church that did expositional preaching, which was just open the scriptures and go verse by verse through a book. Um, it was always kind of, here's a verse, let me tell you some stories. Um, and God grew my heart through that, but man, when, when I got in front of expositional preaching in Becca too, we started to grow and understand the scriptures like we never understood it. But, but like the other churches we had been to, uh, at about the six-month mark or so, we were like, well, I don't know if this is a fit for us. I don't, I don't know. We'd become kind of, no one's having us over for dinner anymore. Kind of like the honeymoon period was over. So we're like, maybe this isn't the right place for us. And it was, I remember it was one Saturday we were, we were talking. We didn't have kids. We were in kind of a lot of the space you guys are in now, the young whippersnapper uh, period of our lives. And, and Becca said, well, well, maybe it's not the church, and we've been to six churches since we've been married in three years. Maybe it's us. I thought, do you know us? <laughs> it can't be us. <laughs> and she's like, no, I, maybe, it's, maybe it's us. Maybe we're doing something not so right. So we said, okay, well, let's give this a whirl. Let's, let's commit. Let's just go all in. And what that 
what that involved, which I think had taken us a while to get to, was Sunday night church had to go. We we're like, we love our Sunday nights. Like, you know, watch a movie, take it easy, relax, football. We had to go. So we just started, we started to do, do that. Um, I started to, to show up on Sundays and, and set up chairs, which was another thing that was just like, okay, if, if we're going to do it. She started to work in the nursery. Um, this is how you know it wasn't just rote, you know, just program is they had us do canvassing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but come Easter or Christmas, door hangers, like you go up to people's doors and you, you hang this thing, like, come to our Easter service. And Becca's like, you got to do it. We said we're going to come in. I'm like, I don't want to go to people's doors. Like, you don't do that these days. Like, you just don't approach people's stuff and put trash on their doorknobs. <laughs> and they're like, the pastor's like, Pastor Tim was like, you, we got to do this. We need you to come out. And I remember saying to my father, who's going to church, I was like, Dad, we got to do this thing, like canvassing. And he's like, no, that's not my particular cup of tea. And I'm like, it's nobody's cup of tea. Nobody <laughs> wants to do it. We got to do it. And we, like, we had gotten, like, one family to come, and that was kind of, like, from the front, like, this family had come, so we all got to do it. You, you ought to be so thankful we don't do canvassing anymore. <laughs> um, so I did it, and we, we would go out, and, like, there were all the fears, like, door, like, dogs, like, crazy dogs that want to kill you. And, like, people, like, one guy crumpled it up and threw it at me. It was terrible. <laughs> but, but the point is, we, we did. We, we started to, to really plug in, and... and like Bob had just said, our affection started to change for the people. Like all, all of a sudden, um, Danny Wilkin and I were like setting up chairs and I was getting to know this computer science guy that I would never have probably otherwise gotten to know and now Danny is such a dear friend to me. Um, countless other stories of us just, of God using the church through the scriptures and constant preaching and being around others that loved the scriptures and through us serving, which was painful. I mean, understand that if you're not in that yet, you need to get there and you need to take some steps just to start because it will change how you view the church and who we are as a people. Is it easy? No, it is not. But it's, a, it's just as much of a commitment as it is marriage. You don't always want to love on your wife. You don't always want to uh, get up and go to work. But you commit to do it. And, I mean, God can just work in someone that's willing to do that. Get out of your own way and take your kind of traditions. Well, Sunday night I do this. Um, just, just yield just for moments to see what he would do. And I encourage you all to do that. That's kind of my first point, our, our experience. This, the second point is during this period of time, 2004 to, say, 2007, um, so, so our experience of church is just completely changed, and we're loving being here and serving. Uh, Stacy had reported some numbers and, like, dips of, of years where our attendance, and I'd say in being close with Debbie and Frank during this time, they had some of the same experience. I think they had kind of come into Cornerstone and just fallen in love with it. So Frank and I are kind of working together and serving together and just, we would do anything for this church so we were in love with it and we didn't know what families were coming and going we were just like this is the best church in the world if you're leaving that's on you you're wrong like this is awesome and so then in 2007 it was pastor tim had asked frank and i and this guy randy would you come and help us serve and be deacons and we we're like okay and jeff was here serving and Teresa, like you guys were great 
like just in, in helping us and, and Steve Davis, another gentleman, a couple other guys. So Frank and I were like, okay, like we'll, we'll come and we don't know what, what you'll have us do, but we'll serve, we'll do whatever you need us to do. Well, then within about a year and a half, those guys are gone, like they're planning a church here or leaving to go here. And what you're left with is Stacy, this new pastor, Frank, Randy, and I, none of us have any clue what we're doing in church leadership. But we love the church, and God's doing crazy stuff. So it was status quo. Like, we didn't want anybody to mess with it because we love the church. The church is going up and down at the time, but we don't want to mess with it. Like, keep the ties, keep the hymns, don't make any changes. And we kind of got into this thing where we had to change our name, and we were, like, really cautious about that. And, like, even stepping through those next few years, we met every Friday, loved meeting together, talked about a million things, didn't do a thing. Like, didn't change anything because we didn't want to mess with it. And then in God's providence over time, things did start to change a little bit, and they brought, God brought men into the leadership and families where would, would say, but, but isn't there some responsibility? If you're going to give an account someday, that, that you want to take steps to be deliberate. And we're like, well, that makes some sense. We trust God, though. The Holy Spirit's already changing people. Well, we, we, we fought that for a while. And just God has just worked on the leadership team to change hearts. Um, and, and I think ultimately we've all come to this conclusion that you can't, like a business model, you can't, the Holy Spirit will move as he moves in his time frame. You can't speed that up or slow it down, but to not be deliberate, to, to not help the church understand and put real community around the process would be lazy of us. It would be inappropriate. And it would be difficult, ultimately, to give an account. Because how do we do that? If, if you're coming on Sundays, Sunday nights, whatever, even just Wednesdays, if, you, if you're kind of in a community group and you show up Wednesdays and there's no other contact with the people, it's hard for, to, to give an account for someone's spiritual life. So we love community groups here. A lot of you are plugged in. Uh, I'd say if you're not, just take a little step. We're not asking you to be missionaries overnight or anything like that. Just take one step to serve, one step to join a community group, one step to just reach out and encourage someone this week. And, and I loved uh, Dave's testimony. We, more times than not, I think if we're honest, we're clueless about how this works. But it, it, and that, that thought almost acts as like a detriment to sharing the gospel or anything else. God acknowledges that. He knows more than any of us that we're pinheads. That's it. But he glories in using pinheads. So the more pride you have in getting anything done, it's harder for him to work. Acknowledge that you're a pinhead. We do it. Like as leadership, we pray all the time. We're complete idiots. Use us. Do it and, and acknowledge that that's where you are and watch what he does because he can work with a soft heart. He can work with you if you're yielding and you're not going to know all the answers. That's okay. You know, he'll provide these great opportunities where people will come up to you and be like, hey, what is it that you believe? Now, now I don't know if this example is God's providence, but I, I've been overweight. I've just been struggling with that my whole life and I pray about it. God put this clown at the end of my street that somehow cares for me. He's a, he's a wrestling coach locally. And he comes to my house. He's like, you've got to come work, work out with us at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I don't want to do that. 
And he's like, he's on me. He doesn't let up. Every night I get a text, come at 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock. So who knows? Maybe God's working to, to kind of share the gospel with him and to, to help me strengthen whatever muscles I never knew even existed. Um, but, but God will, if you, if you ask to, to, to change your heart, to use. Like, let's be, let's be a church that's used. Like, forget about the, the hundreds and thousands of churches even across this country that are just coming, showing up Sunday mornings, and they're not used. If we're going to be here, let's play. And that takes soft hearts. It takes hearts willing to do things that are different, not just get into a routine and be like, no, that's not my cup of tea. Well, odds are it's not your cup of tea, but let's do it. So I thank you for participating this far, being encouraged, be energized, uh, talk to folks about these things, plug in uh, in the ways that we've presented. Uh, and I know God will use you and this church mightily uh, over this next uh, years, months. Let's pray. God, we do come to you and say that we are publicly acknowledged to you. We are nothing without you. All wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. And so we want more Christ and less us. Use us, Lord. May even each person in this room, whether they're here visiting, whether they're, they're here and they're checking out the church, they're non-believers, just would you work right now in our hearts to show us that we are nothing without you and that we need you Lord, we need you to work in our hearts to glorify yourself and your kingdom. I pray that we, we would, in our hearts, work to understand that. And where we don't understand it, we would just acknowledge it to you. And that we would love your scriptures and we would love each other uh, enough to, to engage. And so we thank you for this series. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you will do. Um, in your wonderful and precious name. Amen.